Slack Studios, good afternoon. This is Bethany. Hi, Bethany. I wanted to talk to you about Ashley one more time. Ashley? It seems you haven't told me the whole truth. It's been reported that on average, 90,000 people are missing in the United States at any given time. While many of them end up being found alive or dead, many others remain missing to this day. This is the story of Ashley, a 22-year-old girl from a small town in Iowa who came to New York to build herself a life, find a community, and make some friends. Then she met someone and fell in love, and then she was gone. Some say she was kidnapped or murdered. Some say she just left without saying goodbye. Others are convinced she was abducted by an alien being to save its own future. She left behind an array of people, friends, colleagues, people who wonder, how could somebody vanish like that? They wonder what happened to her and if they will ever see her again. Hey Jojo, you've been gone too long. Ashes is a podcast written and produced by Tom Job and Andreas Frisch. With Elizabeth Schmitz, Sariana Gregg, Olivia Roberts, Tommy Malik, Kayla Bay Vasquez, Eva Richards, Regina Famatigan, Jasmine Keys, Tony Jackson, Anna Kostakis, Quan Chambers, Stuart Maxheimer, and many more. Music by Kevin Burke. For more information and background stories, go to ashespodcast.com. We might never understand, but that's okay. That's not what I'm here for. I don't want to convince you of anything or mess with your mind. Don't worry. I'm after something else. Every story has a reason to be written. Some are written out of love and admiration, powerful emotions. Others out of animosity or disdain or hate, which usually fade quicker and are less strong. And then there is curiosity the urge to look behind the curtain, to know, to understand, and end the agony that keeps you awake night after night, to find answers to the nagging questions. This drive is the strongest and overshadows all others. To understand is one of the most basic needs of life. Without it, we wouldn't be. My name is... You know what? Call me Emma, like Emma Stone. Not that I have any similarities with her, but it makes things easier and safer for all of us. And because it's a good name. My name is Emma. I've been an investigative journalist for my whole life. My curiosity feeds me, kills me, it drives me, and it burns me. I design my life around curiosity. I sit in front of a computer year in, year out. I research. I find things that nobody else can find. I'm analytical and organized, I'm loyal to my sources, and often I'm patient. For years, I worked on a podcast that helped expose bad players in New York City. I uncovered police corruption, a real estate scandal, I found missing people, I traced back lost jewelry, and once I even recovered a runaway cat.
I investigated hundreds of stories from many different publishers, and I put a lot of effort into my work. But then I came across this story, the one I'm going to tell you over the next few hours, and it changed everything. Ashes are what's left after everything else is gone. The solid remains of a transformation, non-aqueous, non-gaseous. It's also the source of something new, new life, new hope, new beginning. I named this story Ashes because it is about transformation, about how we as humans have to learn and understand that there will be something beyond us, something new, something better adapted to our situation, to ourselves, and that everything we know or believe to know might change from one moment to the next. What does that have to do with Ashley? Ashes is about a girl who never felt she belonged anywhere until she understood who she was. Maybe that's what fascinated me so much about her. Because I am looking for that girl. My whole life I've been looking for her. And as long as I don't find her within myself, I will keep on looking to find her somewhere else. This podcast is about finding Ashley. A girl who changed me, and who will likely change all of you. We might never understand, but that's okay. Let me begin the story where it began for me. I'm going back to last August in New York City. I live here in the city. I'm not from here, but at this point it's the closest thing to what I'd call home. I work here, I eat here. Sleep here, then I walk here. I'm a walker. I love to walk. Every day, year in, year out, I walk from my midtown studio to Soho, to my office. It takes me an hour in the morning. I have my routine. Coffee from the Japanese deli downstairs. Walk down Madison, then fifth. A second coffee and a crostini from Italy. Sit in Madison Square Park for around eight minutes. Cross Houston and arrive at Prince. Right on time for my first meeting usually at 10. The walks are my exercise, also my news source, and my meditation mantra. I become myself when I walk. I watch people, their moods, their behavior. The way they move tells me about them. There are the ones lost inside thoughts. The ones who focus, they move quickly. The slow, sloppy ones who walk and talk. And the too fast ones who exhaust themselves. I walk in winter, in the rain, in scorching heat. I walk fast. I get faster with time and find shortcuts, optimizations, new routes and corners to streamline my trail. Hold the lantern, bring the light, feel the healing in the night. Last August, it was a warm morning. I overheard a conversation sitting on my spot in the park, having my eight-minute coffee. A young man, maybe 20, 25, in a wheelchair. Looks like he stepped out of a 1950s movie. A young Anthony Perkins. Nerdy. He's very upset. He yells at a woman. She looks practical, functional, but also cold, untouchable. In her 30s. I told you, I don't know. His voice was sharp. The woman looked around, embarrassed. She sees me. She turns and walks away, determined. He yells after her. You will never find her. Before I can say anything, he pushes the wheelchair out in the other direction. I watch him, puzzled, until I notice that I'm four minutes late. I get up and have to run. The episode stuck with me for some time, 
His voice followed me and also the images of her walking away fast. I felt the urge to tell him, Look at me. I can find her. I can find anybody. Months later, it's an icy morning. I arrive at the park and am just about to cross the street to get my coffee when I see him again. Anthony Perkins, the guy in the wheelchair, is by himself. I get my coffee and grab another one. I go back in the park. He looked different than I remembered, paler, thinner, also a bit unkempt. I sat down on a bench close by. Did she find her? He looked at me startled. The woman who was with you. About six months ago? He had no idea what I was talking about. I offered him the coffee and we started talking. This first conversation launched this podcast and my search for Ashley. It set me upon a year-long fascination with this case. And it is a case. You will hear different people tell different versions of who Ashley is or was and what happened to her. All interviews were recorded and are archived. All claims can be backed up. This is the story about a missing girl from Iowa, but it's also about all of us and our beliefs, and if we are ready to open our minds and step into a new, a different future. back in the park. This time I don't care about my time. I want to know. Did she find her? Anthony Perkins snaps out of his stare. No. He tells me that he didn't know her. The woman showed up at his apartment. She was looking for his roommate, Ashley. The way he said her name, there was something broken in it. He told the woman that she had already moved out. The woman doesn't believe him and wants to check. She follows him in the park and wants to know all sorts of things about the girl. She was from the government, or the police, I I don't know, but I got mad at her and she ran. She didn't run, she walked fast. Did she ever come back, I want to know? No. He smiled just a bit. She was your roommate? Not at that time anymore, she had already moved out. Why were they looking for her? I I don't know. I introduced myself and I told him about the podcast, my resume, that I can find anybody. I do that for a living. What's it called, your podcast? Citywide. Citywide? I listen to that. Really? (laughs) No. He thought he was hilarious, then became somber. You can't find her. Not this time. Why? He waited for a moment, like he thought about an answer, but then turned his chair and rolled off. I watched him. If he would walk, he would stroll, uncertain, until he stopped again. I'm up there! He points to a three-story building at the side of the park. You want to talk? Thursday? What's your name? W.C. Okay. And he rolled away.
On Friday, I walked through the city with my recording gear. I tried to Google his name, but there's nothing about W.C. online. There's a lot about W.C. Fields, the old actor, William Claude, and about toilets. But nothing about this guy. I walk through Madison Square Park, get coffees. I am at the door. There's an intercom. W.C. is written on the upper left button. I push the button. I'm not sure if it worked or not. I can see inside the dark foyer, there's a pet market right down the street. And a delivery guy shoves bags of cat food inside. He stares at me. And now he disappears inside. I go inside. It's one of those typical post-war buildings with a wooden staircase on one side and the elevator in the back. I walk up. I don't trust these elevators. I can hear Mandarin behind one door, a child crying behind another one, a floor higher. Here's an open door on the third floor. Hello? I walk in. It's dark in here. There's a closet on the left and a dining room in the front. The windows are covered with patched curtains. I open one. It's messy. Things lie on the floor, a table littered with filthy plates, leftover food and unopened mail. W.C.? Are you here? I look around. There's a punch hole in a wall. I suddenly hope this guy isn't a nutcase, a psycho who isn't even handicapped. He uses the wheelchair to lure girls into his apartment and rapes and kills them. I'm here. I freak a little. But here he is in his wheelchair. Absurd to have suspected him to be an imposter. He looks at me, childlike, insecure, scared. January 23rd, 2020. I am here in W.C.'s apartment on 24th Street, right next to the Flatiron Building. Uh, Maybe I can even see it from here. No, you can't. Would you maybe introduce yourself, please? W.C., I am 22 years old. Um, This is my apartment. I moved here about four years ago. Um, (laughs) I just wanted to get away from my parents. He tells me about his well-off upbringing and how a bicycle accident paralyzed him when he was 13. His parents flew him to Brazil for stem cell treatments, but nothing worked. He is funny in one, bitter in the next moment. He bought the apartment to demonstrate his independence, but soon didn't want to be by himself any longer. I wanted a girl. And yes, he's kind of creepy. Somebody nice who appreciates nice things. Ashley, she saw it, and she loved it, and... Uh, She thought it was a little too expensive, you know, Um, so I gave her the room for half the price. You said I won't find her. Because she disappeared. When you Google, do people disappear, the answer is... People disappear in all sorts of ways. Whether that be they are kidnapped and never found, commit suicide in such a way that their body isn't found, or even simply run away from their life entirely, never to be seen again. So which one? No. Like, she she vanished. She's gone. Disappeared. Okay, here's something else that I've learned. 
If you want to disappear, preparation is key. It takes time. First, you have to start distancing yourself from others. Start withdrawing all your money. Kill your social media accounts. Quit your job. Compile all of your identification. You don't understand. I'll show you. He leads me through a small, messy hallway. That's her room. He opens the door and... It's all there. All her stuff. Her bed made, the floor cleaned. There are posters. Earth Day Anniversary Festival. Two pairs of sneakers perfectly lined up under the bed. Some textbooks next to them. Are these hers? Yes. Outsiders by Howard Becker. The Lonely Crowd by David Riesman. Introduction to the Science of Sociology by Robert Park. These are her study books. I pull out a drawer. Her clothes are neatly folded. She prefers dark colors, rougher fabrics. There are socks, underwear, personal stuff. She left it all here? It makes no sense. Why would she do that? I see a wallet on her desk. Chase Bank credit card, a Metro card, $43 in cash, no ID, no driver's license. How about a boyfriend? No, nothing. Here's the broken thing again, in his face. He knows I see it. He looks away. So, no boyfriend? No. You don't rent it? You think she'll come back? I don't know. Maybe not. How was she? She came from Iowa, but in a good way. She moved to the city uh, three years ago. She was cute, warm. There's, There's something about her. The way he talks about her, how he describes her. It's so obvious he was in love with her. Her soft skin, her weirdnesses. That she talked in her sleep. That she was lonely. At least that's what he thought. And how he watched her from his room when she was in the kitchen. She was perfect. Everything was perfect at the beginning. She was beautiful. She could, she could look at you and you felt like she sees who you are inside. When she came here, she didn't know anybody. She went to school. Um, some nights she worked as a parking PA to make money. So she was here a lot. <laughs> we always ate breakfast together. The first months of Ashley living here, she doesn't do more than study or work. She doesn't see anybody, doesn't go out. She studied sociology. She never talked about it, like what interested her about it. I guess she tried to understand other people better. Did you like her? He shuts down instantly. He rolls his wheelchair out of the room, nearly pushes me over. I'm startled first, then I go after him. I find him back in the kitchen. He's bitter. I'm sorry. I didn't know. She began to go out more often. I, I don't know why. First with Bethany. Then there was this other girl, Gianna. She was from California. She got into drugs and, and parties. She was drunk often. And yes, there, there was another guy. That's it for my investigation. It was the old runaway romance. Always the same pattern. 
The boyfriend who convinces an innocent girl to do something adventurous, a mad proof of love, a dare. It always ends a year or two later with the girl coming back, embarrassed, grown wiser, sometimes even pregnant, angry that she made a fool out of herself. There was no missing girl story here, just a disgruntled admirer who got left behind. I was about to turn off the recorder and end the interview when W.C. said something else, something that I didn't see coming. He was an alien. He took her. All right. Alien abduction, sometimes also called abduction phenomenon, alien abduction syndrome, or UFO abduction, is a personally held belief in which the alleged abductee describes subjectively real experiences of being secretly kidnapped by non-human entities and subjected to physical and psychological experimentation. I looked it up. And I'm not interested. I don't believe it. There's no scientific evidence. I'm sorry. His name was Drake. I didn't like him, no. With him, she was different. Not like on drugs, when she sometimes got that weird look. No, with him it got really bad. Like full-on madness. I'm sure he took her. He knew how to become invisible. Seriously, I'm not lying to you. He could disappear. While I'm packing up, he tells me about Drake doing experiments on her before he took her away, and how he raped her. That the aliens wanted to repopulate their species through her, and that that was how she disappeared. She wasn't dead, but she wasn't alive either. I thank him, and I'm ready to leave when he snaps. He's like the first time I saw him in the park. His voice gets sharp. You don't believe me. You think I'm making it up. He swivels the wheelchair and grabs a photo out of a drawer. He holds it right in front of my face. Look at her! I can't explain what it is, what draws me in. I look at the picture, and I get lost. I'm captivated. I see Ashley. She is young, beautiful in an interesting way. Her skin pale, her eyes light. She calls me. I can hear her. She needs me. She wants me to find her. It's a spiritual power, a connection. I'm totally hooked, 100%. abduction story is real. (laughs) Suddenly makes sense. I don't know how I got so obsessed with Ashley and what happened to me in this very moment when I saw her picture the first time, but it changed my life. easily taken by anything. But Ashley took me. I wish I could show you her picture. 
it would change you too. But I can't. All I have are my words and the confidence that at one point you will see Ashley like I see her. You will feel about her like I feel. I didn't care anymore that someone else was already looking for her and had a six months head start. If Ashley was still around, I would find her. Diligently, focused, and unapologetically, I had to move on. I asked W.C. about her friends, Bethany and Gina, and he gave me some vague information. For me, it was enough to start looking for them. My name is Emma, and you're listening to Ashes, a podcast about Ashley and how a girl from a small town in Iowa came to New York to build herself a life, find a community, make some friends, and then disappeared. In episode two, I will talk to Gina and Bethany, Ashley's friends, who had a quite different take on where Ashley was and what might have happened to her. To get on.